Mac Power Users 103, five bucks or less on iOS. Hello, everyone. It's David Sparks. Along with me is Katie Floyd. Hi, Katie. Hey, David. So we did a show a while back called Five Bucks or Less. It was a bunch of our favorite Mac apps that were $5 or less. And, of course, immediately we started getting emails from people saying, well, that's great, but what about for the iPad and the iPhone? Are you going to do a similar show? And And rumors have it there could be, you know, well, I think there will be a new iPhone. You know, people start getting them next week, and why not maybe have some new apps? Yeah, by the time this show goes live, we'll even know what it looks like. I know. Although I suspect we already know what it looks like. I, I think we might. Anyway, so we got these these emails, and I feel like this is like a cheater episode because for me, uh, five bucks on the Mac is a challenge because there's a lot of great apps on the Mac that cost more than five dollars, whereas five dollars in iOS is more like the equivalent of like twenty five dollars on the Mac. Does that make sense? It does, but you know there were there were a few apps that I wanted to mention, and then when I went to go check their price, I had to back them out of the outline because they were over the five bucks threshold. Yeah, I had a couple of those, too. So I guess it's still possible. But either way, so we've got all these great apps. And it's funny, while before we started recording the show, you and I were talking that you know you, you made a discovery in preparing for this show. The discovery being that I had to race you to the outline? Well, that's one of them. So, <laughs> so, so for I the listeners' benefit, yeah, Katie went in and, and, and filled in the outline first and took all, all the apps that I love just to, just to spite me. No, I, I intentionally deleted some of my apps saying, no, David will want to talk about that one. I'll delete that one. No, David will want that one. I mean, I must have deleted five or six apps saying David will want to talk about those, and you didn't put any of them in the outline. That's okay. I'm full of surprises. But the other, the other uh, shocking revelation was that Katie doesn't use that many apps. Yeah, that was the other thing. You know, all of my apps, and, and I do have quite a few folders, all of my apps fit on two screens. I only have two screens on my iPhone. Right. So you've got just two screens. Wow, that is not many. No, just two screens. I tend to keep my, my app, my iPhone pretty, pretty lean and mean. And if, if I'm not actively using the app or if it's not an app that I plan on using in the future, I mean, I, ha- I have a, for example, I have a folder of like travel for apps that I use when I travel. So I keep that on there. But if it's not something that I'm going to use, if it's just something that I downloaded for testing purposes and I'm like, yeah, never going to use this again, I'll delete it. And I'll even delete it off my Mac because I can always go re-download it in the future if I need to. So how do you organize your home screen? Is it just the single apps or do you have folders on your home screen? I have one folder. Well, you did a home screen post on me a while back. Yeah, that was a long time ago. It was ago. a long time ago. I have one folder on my home screen. Everything on my home screen is individual, except I have one folder on my home screen that I call Launcher. And that's kind of like everything else that I kind of wanted to make the cut for the home screen, but didn't quite. Okay. Well, I just have apps. I don't have folders on my home screen. In fact, I get a lot of emails from people saying, when are you going to do your own home screen? I, I, I'm going to get around to that someday, but I like sharing other people's. Yeah. And uh, then I'll say I, my, my second page is almost exclusively folders. I have like an entertainment folder, a productivity folder, a utilities folder, a finance folder, a reference folder, a news folder, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So I've got, two, I've got two screens that are single apps, and then the third screen is a, is a group of categorized folders. And there's a lot more apps in there that I ever that I never use, but I just can't bring myself to delete them. So I've got quite a few on my phone. 
Now, how do you launch apps primarily? Are you finding them in Spotlight? Do you just muscle memory know where they are? Are you launching? I guess you're not yet launching them with Siri. Maybe you are. Um, I decline to answer that. Because it might be it, the third the Fifth one? Amendment? Yes. <laughs> uh, but either way, I, you know, because the first two screens are the apps that I really use the most. And I just you know, tap them. But it is okay. it is interesting, you know, the colors of the icons can affect me. Like for the longest time I used the um what's that one pod feeder uh, podcatcher app? It's um Instacast. It's brown, Instacast. It's got a brown icon. Right. But so but it's always right next to my my music icon, the you know the Apple music icon which is brown and it's where the way I've got them located, mm-hmm. it's right next to the reader icon, which is brown. And it was always screwing me up. You, you know, know so, the music icon is orange. Well, it's close enough to brown okay. when you're in a hurry. Okay. And so I <laughs> I would always hit the wrong one. So I, I switched to downcast, which is a red icon, simply so I could tap the right button. Is that like a senior thing? Maybe. Am I getting old? Maybe. I'm, no, I don't possible. know. I, I do like Downcast, even though that's not one of our recommendations today. Yeah. How many of the original Apple apps do you still have on your home screen? Because, you know, when you get a brand new iPhone out of the box from Apple, they've pre-populated the home screen for you. Yeah, not many. Not yeah. many. I, I've got the clock there, although I, I really don't need it there. I've, I've got, got the clock there, but I suspect that will change when I get Siri, because most of what I do with the clock is set an alarm and set timers. Okay, one more question. Then we're going to get to the actual content of the show. So hang in there with us. This is good stuff. Okay. Uh, well, so what's in your dock and your iPhone? My dock is is probably I believe the the original dock set. It's phone, mail, Safari, and music. And for a little while, it was the podcast thing, but I had to go back to music because it didn't work with my stereo system in my car for some weird reason. Yeah, mine's moan, uh, phone, mail, OmniFocus, and drafts. Huh. And I, I am so tempted to pull mail out of there. I, I don't know how, how, how I could tell you. I just, I think it's time for that, that to go out of my dock. See, if anything could go out of my dock, it would be Safari. Yeah, Safari's already out of mine. Yeah. And maybe music, because usually I just launch a playlist and it's what it's my podcast playlist, and then it, it sits in you know it plays for you know a couple of things, and like then I go in and get something else. So I'm not in and out of there a lot. So you haven't obsessed on this as much as I have, or, or that would have been out there. I, I've wasted more time thinking about taking mail out of my dock than I could ever save by not, I, I don't know. I'm crazy. I'm absolutely nuts. That I sit there and think, well, maybe I should move that off the dock. Then I won't sit there and tap mail every time I stop somewhere. Maybe. Don't okay. Hey, let's talk about some apps. Okay. You want to kick us uh, off? Absolutely. First one uh, is a former sponsor of ours, but that's not the reason they're here. They're here because they're awesome. It's Byword. Yep, I've Byword. got this one too. You've got that one? Did I miss that? No, no, no. I have this on my phone okay, and my iPad good. and my iPad. I checked. And and I we checked. we should mention these are iOS. This is the iOS edition of five bucks. So yeah. phone or iPad works here. Yeah, two ninety nine. Byword, it's a super app. It's a word processor that's, I guess I should say text editor, that's fully iCloud compliant. And I use it for writing, you know, and it, it works everywhere. It works on the Mac, the iPad, and the iPhone. I'm a, I'm a big fan. 
Yeah, I agree. I'll but, use ByWord anytime I need to do any kind of text editing. If I'm if I'm drafting a document on my i I use it more on my iPad than I do on my iPhone. Sometimes I'll use it on my iPhone to to tweak something or to continue on something. I'll use it more often than not on my iPad. But with yeah. iCloud, it's so simple because it's everywhere. It's on your iPhone, it's on your iPad, and it's on your Mac because they have the Mac component as well. Yeah, well, we've got a goofy billing system at my office, so I just have text files where I track my billing and you know using text expander, and so that's you know I can put billing entries in on my phone, a couple taps and it's in, and it's everywhere. So uh, there's so many things I like about Byword. Uh, future articles from Max Sparky sit in there while they're getting cooked, and just about anything I write of significance goes in there. If it's not big enough for Scrivener, it, it usually goes to Byword. Excellent. And uh, right, Byword is, is $299? Yeah. And that gets you the universal version that will work both on your iPhone, your iPod Touch. You know, anytime we say iPhone, we mean iPod Touch as well, and your iPad. Yeah. yeah. I've, never, I've never used an iPod Touch one of my daughters had one for a while, but it's just never been a part of my life, so it's hard for me to think about those devices. Yeah, And I guess we should just make the general disclaimer, just in case Apple does something wonky. We are recording this show before the September 12th event. We're pretty sure that something iPhone-related is going to be announced at that September 12th event, but, I mean, if they totally go crazy, they could, I guess they could, they, they couldn't screw up our shit, right? We, we would re-record if they did. I, I guess we would. Okay. That's true. Yeah. All right. So okay. my so the next your next one is like the pick, right? Yeah, my next pick is the pick, and that is Instapaper, and it's had a couple of price drops because it used to not be able to fit in the five bucks or less category, and it's now three ninety nine. I think Marco has said that that's the price that it's going to stay, and I've used a couple of these read it later type services. There's one actually called Read It Later that I think may have changed its name to Pocket. And then there's Readability. And then, of course, Apple has its own reading list apps. I keep coming back to Instapaper. Instapaper was the first one that I started with. I've stuck with it, you know, firstly, because it's the best. In my opinion, it has all of the features that I need. And I also really like supporting Marco, who's another broadcaster here on 5x5. I use Instapaper all the time, and, and what it does is it will save all of these links and all of these articles that you collect throughout the web if you're not familiar with this type of service. So I go through Twitter, and people post lots of links to lots of interesting things on Twitter. I click a button, and they get saved to my Instapaper account. I go through my RSS reader. I see something that I want to read later. I click a button. It goes to my Instapaper account. And then Instapaper on either my iPhone or, in my opinion, the best experience for Instapaper is on the iPad, especially the uh, new iPad with the Retina display. It almost just feels like you're reading a newspaper. We'll reformat that article. with It will strip away all of the excess. You'll get the text and the primary photos, and you can now pick from gorgeous fonts, streamline interface, and you can just sit. And I do this do this throughout the day, but primarily on Sunday mornings, this is what I do instead of reading a newspaper, is I collect all of the links that I've collected throughout the week, and I've got a big comfy chair in my living room that I sit in with a cup of coffee and my iPad, and I go through Instapaper, and I read all of the articles that I've saved on the web throughout the week. And it's just a really enjoyable part of my week. I look forward to it. Yeah, I feel like the Instapaper is like the best product to sell an iPad. Uh, for me, I, you know, the iPad can be a lot of things to a lot of people, but I, I sure love using it as that, you know, customized magazine and Instapaper is the app I use. 
like you, uh, I go through Reader. In fact, we talked about this on the last episode with Jim Dalrymple. That you know, I go through Reader, and if you just flick it to the left and you put the setting in, it sends the article straight to Instapaper. So where Reader is kind of the triage, the uh, Instapaper is where I you know do the work, and and I go through it every day or two. Usually in bed at night, it's a great place to just kind of flick through the articles that I thought might be interesting and. And read them, and then sometimes I don't read them all. I might delete some. And then from Instapaper, it's just so convenient. It has a way in Instapaper to send a web link straight to OmniFocus as a new task or to email it to someone or to send it to, um, you know, whatever service of choice you like. I, I know they can tie to Evernote. Uh, so Marco's just created this way station for great information. And yeah. then, you know, it's got, it's on the phone and it's on the, the iPad. I think I paid 10 bucks for it. I bought it, you know, I think it was probably the very first app I bought for the iPad. Yeah, I bought it the first day I got my original iPad. I think I paid 10 bucks for it too. So at three ninety nine, it's really a steal. And I'll go, I'll use it on the iPhone as well. So if I'm you know standing around a coffee shop waiting for my order or just I have a few minutes to kill somewhere, I'll pop open this to paper and start reading it on my, on my iPhone. Don't get me wrong, but I, I think the best experience is, is on the iPad. I think the thing I like about it the most is that, you know, Marco is obsessive about that app and he's always working on making it, it polishing the very little things. Does that make sense? Oh, know, I mean, he's he, like, like big features he's added, like automatically download my reading list based on my geolocation. That was huge because it will now update when I go to the, I've set the geolocation fence for my home and my office. And so it will automatically refresh all of my stuff as I move around. But stuff like setting it to night mode, who thinks of stuff like that? Yeah. So it's just really great. And to be honest, I haven't really given his competitors a fair shake at all because this thing, I've got this tool that works so good and it's made by someone I trust to make a good product that I'm just not interested in figuring the, I don't want to fiddle with the other stuff. Agreed. Yeah. So anyway, Instapaper, I would highly recommend if you're into that thing. Um, so the next one is one that has really kind of, I've been enamored with the last couple of months and it's really become, uh, important to me. It's called drafts. And, uh, have you used this app? Katie? I have not used drafts, but everybody's talking about it. So educate me. Yeah. Okay. So drafts is, you know, you know, like I use those little field notes to capture text quickly. Drafts is the iOS version of that. When you open it up, it's already got a blank screen and a keyboard, so you can immediately start typing. And it's a, it's a way to quickly capture notes of anything. And in addition to saving these little bits of text that you're capturing, which you can also dictate in with the new iPhone, or I guess the iPhone 4S. <laughs> By the time this goes out, the new the iPhone, old iPhone may not be the... Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so you can capture text very quickly, and then... The uh, the developer is very smart. He 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 uh, is taking advantage of all these HTML uh, these HTML hooks into these other applications like Day One and Byword and other apps where you can take the text that you created and send it somewhere. You can send it to an email. You can process it as Markdown. You can add it to your Day One journal. And so basically, it's just quick capture and then do something with it. And I use this thing all the time when I'm taking walks or, you know, any time that I think of something I want to start writing and I've got my phone in front of me, there's no excuse for me not to. 
All right, just bought it. Does yeah, it like, work with for, text expander? Yeah, and you know, for instance, I like I'm working on a, a difficult brief right now, and I want to explain what the other people did to my client artfully, you know, for the judge. And the perfect sentence occurred to me, you know, as I'm sitting there eating crackers before I start podcasting with you. And so I just whipped it out, opened drafts, dictated one sentence, and then closed it. And so you'll send that somewhere and you just know to check it and deal with it later. It's your, it's yeah, your, I, I, it's your digital field notes. Yeah, I can send it to OmniFocus. I mean, there's a lot I could do with that. And um, anyway, anyway, it's become a big deal to me. And they also have now a separately purchased. So the, the app is $199. There's an iPad version. I believe it's $299. I think it might be a little more. And they synchronize just fine. So I find now that I capture on the phone... And then I'll go through on the iPad all the various draft notes I've created over the last day and send them off to wherever they belong on the iPad. Excellent. Yeah, so that's a great app. Go check it out. Go check it out. My next app is Deliveries, and I have a little bit of a problem. I just signed up for Amazon Prime. That's bad. I said I wasn't going to do that. And, oh, hey, the UPS truck is actually, I can't believe it. They're pulling up as we're recording this. Um, yeah, it's become a problem. And so much so that I don't walk in my front door like most people. I guess I you know, pull my car in the garage and I don't usually come in the front door. So it, deliveries has, it started out originally as a widget. Do you remember widgets? Do you still use widgets? Yeah. On yeah. your dashboard? So it, it started, It's the best widget in the history of the Mac. Yeah. So it started off as a, as a widget, and you can go download the widget for free. And then when iOS came along, and they added the iOS app, and it will sync between the widgets and the iOS app. So it will take a delivery from just about anywhere. It's four ninety nine, by the way. So you can give it an Apple Store, a web, uh, you know, what's it called, a web web ID number or an Apple Store web order number. You know that number that starts with W and blah blah blah. Yeah. And you can give it that, and that's all it needs. It will go look up your order. You can give it a FedEx, UPS, U.S. Postal Service, you know, a gazillion other services that I've never heard of, so I'm sure they're from other countries. Uh, tracking number, it will find that. You can give it an Amazon order number, and it will look that up. So it has a bunch of not just carriers, but also retailers that people commonly order from, especially that geeks commonly order from. And so depending on where I am, if I'm at my computer, I'll stick it in the widget. Or if I'm at my phone, I'll stick it in my phone. And it even has this really cool barcode scanner. So if I'm the one sending the package, you know how when you when you print out postage online or you print out a UPS shipping label or something, it'll have a barcode on it? Yeah. So you can scan the barcode with your camera. I like to do that, and it will you know stick it in there so I know that when somebody else got my package. It's great. And it will give you push notifications that will tell you when the st- if you choose, that will tell you when the status of your package changes. So like if there's a certain device that is shipping to you from China this week, you may want to know when it's left, when it's cleared customs, when it's in the town, so you can go stock the UPS truck. Yeah, they should like play that Wells Fargo song from The Music Man, you know, when that's <laughs> happening. Wouldn't that be great? It's cr- <laughs> I mean, this is, this is one of my most used apps because I just check and I go, do I have anything that was delivered today? Nope. Okay. And I, I use it all the time. It's four ninety nine, and it's it's one of the apps that I 
I don't use it daily, thankfully, because I would be bankrupt, but I probably use it weekly, if not many, many times a month. Yeah, so we're we're also on the Amazon Prime bandwagon at the Sparks House, and we use the heck out of it. I mean, we buy consumables with it because, I mean, it's delivered in two days. And, I mean, who wants to go down to Costco when you, for the same price, the stuff just shows up on your doorstep in a couple days? I did a really I, bad thing. I bought a Mr. Clean Magic Eraser the other day cause, for, like, two ninety nine because I forgot it at the grocery store. Yeah. I could see that. I I think my worst thing I ever did was uh, I've got this ancient gas barbecue that's like a mess. And so everybody in my personal life is uses these Weber charcoal grills. This is a guy thing, I think. But so I, I decided I, w- I was going to switch over to charcoal, you know, and I, uh, I ordered it. I could have gone down to Target. No, I bought it on Amazon Prime. They delivered a barbecue to my house. <laughs> oh, I bought plasma TVs on Amazon, and I will probably yeah. buy my next set of washers and dryers on Amazon, and they'll just deliver it to my house. I think the price was the same. I just, I'm sure I just it probably wanted to, was, or cheaper. I just wanted to justify to myself that I was getting my money's worth out of this Amazon Prime thing. Well, oh, in just a total side, they added a whole bunch more streaming content recently. Yeah. So... Yeah, Friday Night Lights is now on Amazon Prime. If you've never watched that, great TV show. Go watch it. I don't watch any TV. I'm boring. Oh, it's one of okay. my favorite shows of all time. Anyway, moving on. Okay, um, so that's a great app. Deliveries, four ninety nine right. in the iTunes store, and I'm company happy to, widget. Yeah, I'm happy to give these guys five bucks because the um, I've been using that widget for years, and I never paid them anything. And it all works. It all syncs up just great. So when you put, even if you put the the device in on your phone, your iPad, or on your Mac, they all know. Oh yeah, it's hybrid too, so it will show up on your phone and on your Mac. The only yeah. thing that would make it better, they even show you a little map that will tell you where your stuff is. So is it in California? Did it make it to Florida? Is it in Tennessee? Where, is it still in China? The only thing that would make it better is if they would put little GPS tracker units on the FedEx trucks. Yeah, but that would be nice. There would be riots. So. Well, especially when you're getting something new from Cupertino yeah, or by way of China and you're very excited. You know, I've been there. I've been, <laughs> at, I've been at my office, got the notice that it's on the truck and, you know, trying to make sure that there's somebody at home to answer the door. Yeah. I've been there. Okay. Okay. I think we've gone far enough with this. Okay. I got, a, I got another one for you. This one's you got free. An app. Okay. Okay. All right. This one's called Glassboard. And, I, you know, I've been using this now for a couple months and it's it's hard to describe what Glassboard does, but it's kind of like a closed version of Facebook, I guess is one way to put it. So, because you do not like Facebook. Well, it's just not my thing. I know a yeah. lot of people love it, but it's I just there's you know some of the privacy issues with Facebook and and I'd like to say that I'm self righteous and it's all about their privacy rules, but the other thing is I just don't have time to do Facebook. You know, I I've tried it a couple times. And this is what gets me in is, you know, I have a daughter and she's on Facebook and part of me wants to be on Facebook just to keep track of what she's up to. Not that I don't trust her, but I just, I just want to kind of be a part enough to see what, what's going on. And, um, I know like I use Facebook, I have people in my office, you know, check out other lawyers and witnesses on Facebook. I mean, there's a lot of things there that are useful, but I don't want to be a part of it. And every time I, the few times I've tried, I'd get started and I get all these friend requests from people in high school that weren't even my friends. And it's like, well, what do you do? Do you say yes and 
be friends with them and then they're going to no, see whatever it is you, you post? No, that's how you get revenge for high school. Or do you do you say no and sound like a jerk? And, you know, I'm having this crisis over the, you know, it's just like me obsessing over keeping the mail icon in my dock. I, I can't. I can't deal with it. And, and it's such a time sink. So anyway, I, I've gone on a few times and I've never lasted more than a week. And I've just accepted that I'm just not a Facebook person. And I'm not saying that judgmentally. And if you go into Facebook, you know, bless you, just go have fun with it, but it's just not my thing. So anyway, uh, Glassboard, what this does is it allows you to create a shared space and you can invite people in and you can have pictures on it and you can have a conversation on it. And, uh, I think it's kind of nice. Yeah. I'm like on one now that Gabe Weatherhead over at Mac Drifter has created about, you know, productivity and, you know, it's a very limited group of people that are all kind of awesome. So it's just fine hearing what they have to say. And it's not open to outside and it's a closed Facebook in that sense. And, and like, I know people who have their family, they'll get a group of family members in on it and they can share pictures and everything between them. And it's not going to show up on the Facebook. It's kind of a, a relatively new service. It's free. They don't have an iPad app yet, which kind of makes me nuts. Cause I, I, I think I'd use it more if it was on, on the iPad. Um, it's really an iPhone app, but I would recommend checking it out. I don't think I've really done it justice because I haven't been using it long enough to talk about all the ways I can use it. But like I was thinking that I'm going to make a glass board with you, Katie, where we can just put stuff in there, you know, but there's, since there's just two of us, an email trail works just as well. Okay. But even like if we had like, if we were going to do something like show 100 again, we could set up a glass board for all the guests and us to, you know, keep communication going. It's, it's a very interesting concept. I'm not even sure how they're monetizing it yet. So we'll see. That makes me wonder if they're going to be around. I don't know. Yeah, but it's, it's, it looks really good. Oh, you know what? I, I take it back. They do. I think they're having a, pro, they're going to make pro accounts or something. Let me just look real quick on the internet here. Uh, no, I know they do have a plan. Now they, I, I think they've got pro accounts coming. They've, they've got some kind of plan to monetize it. And, and frankly, as much as I'm using it, I can see myself becoming a, a paying member. Right. All right, I'll check it out. Yeah, yeah. At least check it out. My next one is one you probably won't like, but it's Card Munch. It's free if you're a LinkedIn member. And I don't use LinkedIn that much, but I do have a LinkedIn account. Please don't friend me over there. I don't use it much. And it's probably the only reason that I keep a LinkedIn account is so that I can use card bunch. But I have this problem with business cards and that people give them to me and then they end up in all kinds of weird places. None of which is typed into my computer in the contacts where they are supposed to be. And I don't know what happens, but somehow between the point in time that they get in my hand and the point in time that I go to sit down at my computer and actually type in the information, bad things happen to the cards and they never make it to where they're supposed to be. So I've been looking at a lot of these business card. Um, there, there are all these apps that, that are out there that will allow you to take a picture of a business card and it will transcribe the information and then put it in the appropriate field and then add it to your contacts database. Great, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, Card Munch is one that will do it for free. It, it used to be a paid service, but then they got taken over by LinkedIn. So I don't know how long they'll be around or you know when they'll they'll change their business model. But supposedly, what they do is instead of using OCR 
to try to guess the information on the business card, they actually use human transcription service through, is it called the Amazon Turk? Which is a, a service where Amazon will pay people very small amounts of money to do kind of repetitive tasks or, or menial tasks over and over again. So they might pay you like 0.4 cents to transcribe a business card, but if you do a bunch of that, you could make some money. Does that, I'm, yeah. I'm, I may be getting the, the details wrong, but I think that's the back end that they use to do this. And for the most part, everything that I have clipped with Card Munch, the information has been more or less in there, but it has been correct. So what, I, what I've run across with some of the other card reading OCR programs is that you know the worst possible scenario is you take a picture of a business card, for whatever reason the picture is fuzzy and it can't read it, and you end up with the wrong phone number. Because it, to me, whether I have the wrong phone number or no phone number makes no difference because by the time I find out I've got the wrong phone number, the card is gone. I would rather have no information than have the wrong information in my contacts. So I've never had the case, although I've had the case where Card Munch maybe couldn't figure out what the information is, I have not yet had the case, and I've had dozens and dozens and dozens of cards that I've snapped with Card Munch. I've not had the case where Card Munch has put incorrect information in the contacts. Yeah, you know, I included Card Munch in, in Paperless, yeah. but I, I recommended against it because. What was told to me, and I don't know if this is true or not, is that you know these cards are being sent overseas, and somebody is is transcribing all this data. And as I understand it, you know, I'm not sure that I want, you know, when someone gives me their business card, uh, they're expecting me to keep that information, not for me to send it off to someone else to capture it. And I mean, part of me is just untrusting. I guess it seems to me like you know these guys could start using all this data we're giving them. And doing all kinds of nefarious things with it. And I, I don't think that there's a big plan for that, but I just don't want to contribute to that database. And yeah. that's just me. And, that's true. But everything I've been told is mirrors what you've said, is that it takes a little while and you get it back and it's right. Um, instead, I use one of these that does a uh, has onboard OCR. Uh, I think it's Abby uh, Fine Card Reader, Business Card Reader, or something like that. But the um, and it gives you immediate results, and sometimes it's not right. But I've still got the card in my hand, and I can fix it there. But yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. That I think if I was going to do one of those that that sent it off, I think Card Munch would probably be the best one to use. Yeah, seems like the one with the biggest, the best reputation. I have looked around and around and around to try to get information about their privacy policy and to see if there's anything formally that addresses that concern. I haven't really found anything. I haven't really found anything that says we reserve the right to use your information either. So from the standpoint that I, I haven't found anything that sends off red flags, I just haven't found anything that really addresses it, period. Well, but the fact that it's going probably overseas and that there isn't any positive affirmation that they aren't using it, um, to me that's, a, that's probably saying that they are. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, uh, the other thing you also have to consider is that once you put the information in your contacts, where is it going from there? Is it being synced up to iCloud? Okay, where where is it going from there? We, Apple probably publishes their data policy. Is it being synced up to Google? Where is it going from there? Yeah. I don't think Apple's making money on right. monetizing what's no, in your contacts, contacts. database. No, so, but I'm I'm a little anal on this one, but. I'm not 
I'm not, once again, like the other stuff. I, if this is your thing, then go for it. It's like Facebook. I mean, uh, this is not a bad app. I just am a little nervous about it. And the thing that makes me feel a little bit better about it is these are professional people whose contact information is out there anyway. Yeah. Who are giving me That's this. True. You know, this it's is their business card. Yeah, it's their yeah. business card. It's not, you know. If 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 the president of the United States gave me his private line information, I probably would think twice about taking a picture of it with Card Munch. Well, as an example, you know, lawyers, for some reason, people think that us lawyers have all this money. I drive a Subaru, folks. <laughs> you know, I took a job at a firm that doesn't pay much because I want to, like, know my family. But I'm on a list, and these, these finance guys are always calling me about stock. I'm like, well, well I don't have money for stock. i got to pay the cable bill this month, you know. <laughs> but, you know, that's the kind of thing that would concern me, that they would go and buy a list of, you know, cell phone numbers for for lawyers. Right. And uh, so who knows? Who knows? I think some of that stuff's already out there, too. Yeah, I, I guess you're right. So. But I don't put my cell phone on my business card for a reason. No, no, I don't either. Okay, uh, next. I'd like to talk about a travel app. Uh, I, I've used a lot of these flight tracking apps and that stuff, but I, I've really kind of come to love Flight Plus. Have you played this one? i got to look and see whether I've used Flight Plus. I don't know. Okay, so it is... Um, oh, no, I use FlightAware. And it's not Flight Plus, spelled out P-L-U-S, but with the plus sign. And it's a great little app, and I, I just like the look of it. It's, it looks like kind of an old passport, and the uh, it's got paper clips in it. It just, uh, you know, this is the same information, no matter what app you're using. They're getting it probably from the same database, but the way they present it is very nice. And it makes travel day for me a little more fun. Shows, I mean, it does, I think, probably most of the same features all these apps do. Uh, I think it was Flight Tracker Pro I used for the longest time. But th- this Flight Plus is a lot more fun. So is it just and, giving uh, you, like, gate information, baggage claim information, your flight's delayed, stuff like that? Yeah, and shows tracking if you're tracking a friend. And, it, you know, it, I can send data to my my con to my calendar program i can share it i mean it's got airport maps it, i mean these guys i think that if you looked at the serious contenders they all have the same basic set of features but flight plus just does it with panache the the thing that i question about all of these apps and i don't know if they're all getting their information from the same database is to me the 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 big question is how frequently are they updated to make them useful if I find out after I've already left for the airport that my flight is delayed, that doesn't do me a whole lot of good. I've seen gate changes from this app while I'm in the airport that that uh, notify me before I think the board notifies people. So right. it's it's pretty. But I, once again, I think that this is all pulling data from the same database. I don't think that Flight Plus has people sitting in the airport watching the boards. You know, <laughs> so there's got to be some resource of data here, and they're all the same. Have the same degree of reliability would be my uninformed guess. Right, but if they're all pulling information from the same database, I think some apps are better about getting that information out than others. Yeah, that's that's a good point. So flight bus plus two bucks. It's with the plus sign, not the word plus. Okay. Well, my next app is Dataman. Uh, it's a dollar ninety nine, and they used to have an iPad version of this app. But when I went to put it in the show notes, I couldn't find the iPad version. So I've actually got it on my iPhone and my iPad, and they were separate apps. But I could only find them for the iPhone when I went to look for the purposes of the show. 
And what Data Man does is it tracks your uh, data usage. And it will track your Wi-Fi and or your cellular usage. For me, I primarily use it just to track my cellular usage. And your carrier will do this to some extent. I mean, they'll give you a warning when you get, I think it's to 50% and to 90% of your data use. But Data Man will be a lot more specific about how they're tracking it. You can set up custom warnings and, you know, say, tell me if I use more than this amount in any particular day or if I use more than this amount in any particular week or uh, this is my target for the month. And so you can kind of gauge and see how you're doing. The uh, iPad version that I was using would also show you GPS locations, if you so desired, of where you were using data. So you could find out, well, gosh, why am I using data when I'm in my house? I really should be using on Wi-Fi. And you could you could spot problems and see where maybe if you were getting kicked off the Wi-Fi network or what the problem was. I was having an issue. For some reason, my, my AT&T bill they were showing these wacky bits of data usage where I was downloading like 500 megabytes at 2 a.m. Well, first off, at 2 a.m. I'm at home in bed and at 2 a.m. my phone, although I'm not using it, is on Wi-Fi. So for any reason it's downloading massive bits of data, it should be doing it on Wi-Fi, not not on not on 3G. So I decided that I was going to get an app to track my own usage and more so for the the iPad than the iPhone, but but it will work for both. And uh, it's it's currently available for ninety nine cents. And I hope they bring the iPad version back into the store. I'm not sure why it wasn't available. That sounds really useful when you're traveling and you've got a limited amount of data. Yeah, sure yeah, and that's and that's when I use it all the time on the iPad because I've got that page you go plan on the iPad. And you hear all these horror stories about people who go on trips and their iPhone reports that they're within data limits and they get home to a $1,000 bill. Yeah, and this just gives you kind of one more data point. And especially if you have the GPS tracker on it, it can give you a, yet another data point to, to track things. Yeah. Hey, we should talk about a sponsor. Yeah, our sponsor for this episode is going to be 1Password. And they have their own as awesome iOS apps themselves. Yeah. Super useful. One password. So you can create your passwords on your iPhone. And, and we've talked about this in the past, but an, another real great use for the one password app on your phone and your iPad is the secure notes. Absolutely. And, and, and so th- this is a way to put a second layer of protection between your data and the, uh, the nefarious guy who pulls your iPad out of the airline pocket or whoever gets access to your device. Because uh, you're always worried about putting private information on your iPad and your iPhone because it's much more likely to find, uh, fall into enemy hands. Uh, and while it's it's great that you have the security code on your phone or your iPad, and I absolutely recommend it, it's not that hard to get through. Well, I shouldn't say that. It's not that hard to get through. But, I mean, if they do get through it, if they pick it up and it's still open, then they've got, you know, wide open access to everything on there. But using 1Password, you can create secure notes, which are behind the 1Password password. So it's a second layer of protection. And anything that's of any semi-private nature, for me, finds its way into a secure note in 1Password. And it's not there for my Mac. It's there for the iOS devices. And 
and but we should point out that it is there for your Mac too. Anything that you put in secure nodes on your Mac, on your iPhone, on your iPad, they're all going to sync together through the magic of Dropbox because one password uses Dropbox to sync all of its data back and forth. So if you've got information that you want to enter on your Mac because maybe you prefer to enter it on the Mac keyboard, you can do that and know that the next time you need to access that node, it's going to be available on the go on your iPad or on your iPhone. Yeah, I should be more clear. So I can access it on my Mac, but when I really need that stuff is usually when I'm out in the road. Absolutely. And it's it's great to have it in there. I mean, when you've got kids, I've got medical, you know, records for the kids in there. I've got, you know, social security numbers for the family. I've got all 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 types of data in there that I just wouldn't feel comfortable putting on a mobile device that I can now because of one password. Right. I've got medication lists in there and um uh, just other information about my family and myself that I, yeah, go in. not something that I want to put in the notes app or in any of these other apps that, you know, just in case my iPhone should fall somewhere, I know that it's going to be secure in one password because it's not just behind another four digit password. You know, it is in that secure encrypted one password database and nobody's getting into that. Hey, I got one more tip for one password. Okay. I, I wrote this up at Max Sparky and this is super useful. So, you know how I'm always, you know, going on about how you should every six months change the passwords in some of your most important accounts. Yes. You can drag a one password, I guess, I don't want to say content, a one password account out of one password and put it into the notes section of OmniFocus. Did you know that? Hmm. So you can create an OmniFocus task every six months to change your password. Yeah, and then the link is right there, and you tap it, and you got to obviously type in your master one password password, and then it opens it up, so you've, you're ready to go. You don't even have to go look it up. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So one password has just a gazillion uses and counting. You can pick it up uh, for the Mac on the Mac App Store for forty nine ninety nine, and that will give you a family license that you can use on all your authorized machines. If you're a slider and you need to use it for Windows two, there's a Windows bundle available on their website for sixty nine ninety nine. If you've got iOS devices, then you need to pick up their iOS version. There's a Pro version for fourteen ninety nine that will work on both the iPhone and the iPad. Or you can buy a single version for either or for $9.99. And you can save 20% off anything purchased through their website using the link on our website. And we want to thank 1Password for their continued support of the show. Okay, so I've got an app for you. I want to hear about this one because this is one that I think I'm completely underutilizing. Yeah, and that's day one. So day one is a journaling app. They've got a version for the Mac and a version for iOS. The iOS version is, is $4.99, and it's universal, so it works on both the iPhone and the iPad. And like you, I am underutilizing this application. So it's like a diary app. And the way I've been using it is just as a journal for myself, you know, a place for me to exercise my own demons. And uh, it's, it's really great, but I haven't used it that much. It seems like I'm out of time. You know, I want to spend more time doing this. I... I it's like a meditation practice. If if you do it, you really get a benefit out of it, but you've got to stop and do it. And I haven't got quite there yet with day one. I made a, a resolution at one point on Max Sparky that I'd do it every day for the rest of the year, I think at the end of last year. And that lasted like two weeks. And so now I look in my day one journal entry and I've got these spotty occasional entries and I've got to figure out a way to get more routine about this. Um, Brett Terpstra has got a really cool set of tools he's released on his website called Slogger. 
that will like grab stuff from your Twitter feed and it allows you to automate some entries into day one. But what I really need to do is just sit down and take, you know, 10 or 15 minutes a day and do this. And I have it. I have that time. I'm sure I do. If I would just, you know, look at some of the goofy things I waste time on. Uh, another option I was thinking about it was, was drafts, you know, drafts, the app I just got done talking about. I could, while I'm driving home, I could just turn on drafts and turn on Siri and dictate some stuff into it. Um, I'm not sure I feel comfortable doing that while driving though, but either way I, I need to use this app more and I, I really aspire to, I guess. So I, I think this one's worth some money. You know, Wendy Terensky, who we had a workflow show with was talking about how she uses day one in more of a business context for billing purposes and to kind of keep track of what she was doing with her day and for things to follow up. Yeah, that's and she, nice. She also had a really good article in the Screencast Online magazine, which I know you and I both contribute to all this month, uh, that she should check out about how she uses day one primarily for business purposes, which I thought was interesting. And I, I could really see a place for that in, in, in my workplace. Yeah, I, you know, for some reason, I, because I've got those problems solved with other apps, um, but I, I really would like the idea, I like the idea of having a personal diary, and I, I want to look into this further, and, and the way this app, it's just lovingly created, like now you can add pictures to it, and I mean, it just seems to me like the perfect solution to this, this thing that I want to try, but I, I've got to get, I've just got to make the time or figure out, you know, I need a routine. Does that make sense? I, I, you know, for for all things in life, when you want to really take it seriously, you need to build build it into your schedule. And I haven't done that yet with this app, but I like it so much that I'd recommend it here. I just like I like the way they've developed it. It's it's really progressed now with the new version, and uh, this is one worth checking out. All right. Well, my next app on the list is Air Video, and I think I might have spoken about this when we did the the Mac apps. I know I've talked about it before on the show. But I now have this massive iTunes library sitting on my Drebo, and we'll talk a little more about Drebo later in the show. And I've got all of these these videos, these home videos, these screencasts, mainly all of my iTunes video podcasts now I don't keep on the MacBook Air because, you know, the, the hard drive's on the air a lot smaller. But I've got all these video podcasts that I want to watch, and sometimes I get to them, sometimes I don't, sitting in the iTunes library of my Drobo. And... Depending on where I am and how I want to watch them, a lot of times I'll I'll watch them through the remote app because you can use the remote app, but that only really works if I'm in my house and on my own wireless network. What Air Video does is it's got a server component that you can put on a Mac, any Mac that's running on your house that's free. Um, and I've got this Mac Mini now that will be on and running in my house, so I've added the server component to that. And then it's got this iOS component that's $2.99, and I've loaded it up on my iPad. And now Air Video on my iPad can talk to my iTunes library on my Mac with that accompanying server app running. And I now have access to all of the video in my iTunes library on my Mac at home, no matter where I am in the world, as long as I have some kind of connectivity. So if I'm in a hotel room in Washington, D.C., and I've got decent Wi-Fi, you could do it over 4G if you wanted to, but you'd, you know, you'd suck down your data plan pretty quickly. I basically now have access to anything that's in my iTunes library and can pull something up and watch it if I want. So that means that a lot of less pre-thought goes into what I have to load up onto my iPod or my, my uh, iPad. Of course, your mileage may vary because it depends on connectivity. 
You know, the thing is, I never do that. I mean, I for years, I've had, you know, an iPhone. Has it, how long has the iPhone been around now? Since, is it five, five years? years? So for years, I go on these trips, and I put a movie or a screencast or something on my iPhone. And whether I'm going away for two days for business or a week for family, I just never get around to watching that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what it is. I just don't get there. So it seems to me kind of fiddly that you'd have to get onto the internet and you're going to obviously use a ton of data unless you're on a Wi-Fi somewhere. That's why I've never really got into that app. But you know, I'm I'm, not, I'm a poor consumer of uh, of entertainment anyway. Yeah. If it's something anyway. that you would use even occasionally, I think it's worth a couple bucks. Yeah, no, I I think it's a I think it's pretty amazing technology when you think about it that. You've got a Drobo in Florida, and then you're sitting in San Francisco watching a movie off of it. I mean, just stop and think about that for a minute. Yeah. Wow. You yeah. know? But I just I just don't find much use for it. Mm -hmm. I, I bought it. The last time you talked about it, I bought it, and I, just, I hooked it up, and it worked, and that's the last time I used it. Hmm. All right. Well, tell <laughs> me about something you do use. Okay, I will. I, so this, there's a lot of panoramic apps. I mean, we could do a show on camera apps because there's so many awesome camera apps for the iPhone and increasingly the iPad as well. But there's a lot of panorama apps. The one I really love, though, is called DMD Panorama. Um, I don't even know what that stands for. Oh, it's by Dermander, whoever that is. But the way it works is it's not like a traditional panoramic app where you take a series of pictures and then it stitches them together. Instead, you just stand there and push the button, and you just rotate your camera. And it, it very smartly shows you, you know, make sure you keep your vertical and horizontal in the right alignment. And you spin your camera, and it's, I guess, shooting like a video, or I don't know what it's doing. But you can go all the way around 360 degrees if you want, uh, which is kind of fun. And But you don't have to do that. You can just take, you know, a partial panoramic. And it does them very quickly, and they look gorgeous. And I've been using that one now for about six months. And is the resolution decent that if you, you know, I like I know you were recently in Alaska and got some amazing photos. Is the resolution decent that if you got an amazing landscape photo of an Alaskan glacier or something that you could blow this up and put it up on your wall? I should, I should really know the answer to that question. <laughs> I don't because I just share them. I, I, I've never, you know, panoramic pictures are so silly I've just never really had the idea of, of printing one up in a big device. I share those panoramics, and everybody seems to be happy with them. So I'm going to look at the, the description here. You can save it to your photo album. It doesn't say anything in here about resolution, so I don't know what the story is there. But I, I assume it's just the same resolution as the camera taking a photo. Okay. Well, sometimes they know. lose resolution as you do that. So Yeah, that, that's very possible. Find out that's and get back possible. to us. I will. I will. I will report back. But it's two bucks, and it takes some great pictures. DMD Panorama. All right. My next pick is still kind of along the lines of entertainment, but I don't use it for entertainment. So there's a there's a great application by Rogue Amoeba called Airfoil. So this is this is kind of cheating because it's a free app, but you have to have a paid app to use it. So is that cheating? Yeah. That's okay. I'll let this one through. Okay. So. We all we all know what AirPlay is for for the Mac, right? Is is you can take any music that's playing on your Mac or any video that's playing on your Mac, so long as it's in a supported player, and you can throw it to an Apple TV or you can throw it to an AirPlay enabled device. Yeah. 
but it but it has to be like iTunes or QuickTime or a QuickTime movie in in Safari. So it has to be like in one of these supported video formats or or one of these supported audio formats or one of these supported applications that supports AirPlay, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, what Airfoil does from Rogue Amoeba is it takes any audio on your Mac and it will throw it to any airport enabled or, you know, AirPlay enabled speaker. And what I do for the longest time is I will use this with, I mean, you can use it with a website, you can, I mean, anything, anything that, that you can output the audio on on your Macs or even just your Macs general system audio, it will pick up. So what I use this for quite a bit is when I'm editing the podcast because sometimes, you know, we can get a little wordy and the podcast can go on for a long time. Yeah. But, but never, never dull. But sometimes I just don't want to be sitting in front of the computer to edit the podcast. So what I'll do with Airfoil is that using the companion app, the Airfoil Speakers Touch, which is free in the, in the app store, you can now turn your iPhone into a receiver. So what I'll do is I will take the audio from GarageBand, which is what we use to edit these podcasts, and I will send it to my iPhone, which is on the same wireless network, so I'm basically porting the audio from, just in this example, GarageBand, but it can be any audio-enabled app, to my iPhone, and then I can walk around the house, I can clean, I can do whatever, and then when I hear, like, oh, there's a cough, or more likely, oh, I just said something really stupid, I need to go cut that out, I yeah. can pause and run back to the computer and make the edit, and then continue playing. So it, it enables me, I usually don't go very far, but it enables me some freedom of not having to sit in front of the computer the entire time. And, and it's no matter what I'm doing. If I'm, if I'm watching a web video and I just want to listen to the audio around the house, I can do that too. Yeah, that's a nice app. Yeah. And Rogue Amoeba is one of the good guys in the Apple community. They are, I, you know. they are one of the good guys. The, um, so I've got one for you. It's two bucks. It's called Lumen, L-U-M-I-N. And it's uh, it's an electronic magnifying glass, I also put it. Um, so I had the you know one of those moments where I caught myself looking at documents farther and farther away from my eyes, you know, like I'm holding books farther away, and you don't realize when you're first doing it, but then at some point you catch yourself doing it, right? <laughs> and so I went into the uh, the Costco and they got those reading glasses, you know, ten oh, bucks, no. like three pair. Oh no. And I, and I put, look, you don't judge me, okay? So, anyway, your day will I'm just come. saying three for $10? How, how, I don't how know. classy whatever. can they they're, be? They're, they're whatever. I just, so they're, they're reading glasses. They're not, you know, glasses you're going to wear around. But so I put a pair on, and they've got like a little sample there, and everything looks so much clearer. And I was just like, oh, damn, you know, the, the time the bell has rung for my eyes, you know. So, so I got some of those. But I, I do find that sometimes I want to magnify something. Uh, my daughter's like my youngest daughter's really into these. Uh, was it Yu-Gi-Oh cards or something? You know, this one of these card games that kids play. So you know, your dad, if your kid's into something, you got to get into it too because you only have so many opportunities to connect. So I'm like trying to play these cards with her. I can't read them. <laughs> I cannot read them. I mean, wait. So I don't know. I just I just want to get the picture here. You're laying on the floor with your daughter. You've got these cartoon cards in your hand. You're squinting. You can't see them. So instead of putting on your reading glasses, you grab your iPhone and you get your app and you put your iPhone up to the cards and you magnify the fine print. That has happened. Okay. Yes. Just checking. Uh, 
I, I will admit to that. But anyway, so, but this Lumen app is great. So if you want to magnify something and it's got a light in it, so you can like magnify it with a light and I don't know, it's $2 and I find a use for it sadly more often than I used to. All right. Somebody told me when you turn 40, that's, that's just par for the course. So I'm going to just roll with it. I got, I got a few years, thankfully. Yeah. My next pick is is one that you have talked about extensively on the show, but I am I am just now a convert, so I've got to spread the good news. And after years and years and years of being a Net Newswire fan, and it pains me to say that I have I've given up. I made the switch to Reader, and of course, shortly right. after I made the switch, they released an update. I don't even know what their update was about. I don't want to know. I'm full. I'm all in. I've made the switch to Reader. Okay, so have you got the updated version? Yeah, I've got Reader for the Mac, okay. Reader for the iPhone, Reader for the iPad, all up to date. Yeah. And that is how I am managing all of my RSS feeds. And it has just been the most pleasant user experience that I've used in an RSS app ever. I can, you know, do the little left swipe. Is it left swipe or right swipe? I have to sit there and do it. You know, send items to Instapaper. I go through and I triage. My favorite experience of Reader is on my iPad. Have you found that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, but, that's but the way. The Mac app is really nice, too, especially if you're adding RSS feeds, because I haven't found a way yet to add RSS feeds on the iPad. Yeah, I don't think you can. Right. Yeah. But still, I do use it on the iPhone as well. You know, if I'm standing in line somewhere and I just want to check and see what's going on. But I'll be, you know, I'll be laying in bed first thing in the morning. It's kind of like reading the newspaper. That's what I do is I, you know, roll over, I get my iPad and see that I've got a few minutes before I have to get out of bed. And, yeah, I check my email and I check reader. It's kind of my equivalent of getting up in the morning and reading the newspaper. I have to admit, I'm not entirely excited about the, the redesign and the new iPhone app. See, I didn't know uh, it before the redesign. So yeah, maybe but it's better. It's still that a way. great app. It's still my choice. I mean, it's still the app I use. And I didn't and, Oh, good. But the iPad one, it hasn't changed. So I suspect that'll the next be the next one that gets the, the redesign. But it's a great app, though. Either way, I, I've been using that for my my news feeds for a long time. I read that a lot of people were upset about how it seemed to um, promote almost extens- too extensively, but almost too exclusively readability. But yeah. but I found that I was able to go in and tweak my settings and use Instapaper and all just fine. Oh yeah, it works fine with Instapaper, but you still got that silly couch thing looking at you a lot. And I don't know if there's a way to turn that off. I have to look. I think I think I have. So okay. Anyway, yeah, I I'm with you though. Reader is my app. Good. Okay, so I've got one, but I guess we should do another sponsor. We've been going a while. Yeah. Well, let's talk about our next sponsor, and that's one of our longtime favorites here, and that is Fujitsu and the ScanSnap line of scanners. Did I did I tell you I finally have got my mom on the path of going paperless? No. Well, you said you were going to work on it. I, I've been working on it. Well, I told you she she stole my thirteen hundred. Yeah. It was sitting on my on my counter, and she walked in and she said, "Oh, I've been wanting one of those," and she walked out with it. I was like, "Okay." And so I I she my there's been some moving in my family. My brother just moved out and got his own apartment, and lots of lots of excitement. Everybody's happy. And she said, well, as soon as he moves out and I get my room back, because she's been planning on, on creating her own little home office den area, that she was going to get her computer all set up and she was she was going to set up her scan snap, although she keeps calling it a snap scan and I, I always correct her. 
She was going to set up her ScanSnap, and she was going to go paperless. Because for years, she's had these big, thick, like, four-inch binders, and now they're multiplying with just paper upon paper that has been piling. And a couple of years ago, I got her to go to automatic bill pay, and she thought that was pretty cool. And now she's ready to do the whole paperless thing. And I meant to tell you, David, she wanted me to tell you that she read your article in Macworld about naming, and she found it most helpful. Oh, good. Yeah. Did she see that her daughter's name was in the book? Because you, you're, you're in it. Yeah. She's, she, but I don't know if she's read the book yet. I got her the book. She hasn't read yeah. the book yet. But she did read your article in Macworld. So she's oh, very excited. Good. She knows how she's going to name her stuff. And she thought that was very helpful. And she appreciates her ideas. And she's got her scan snap set up on the corner of her desk. She likes the fact that it's black and it matches her desk and silver. And it matches her, her MacBook Pro. And she's she's all set to go. She's going to use... Evernote, and she's got a notebook set up for her cable bill, and she's got notebooks set up for her Blue Cross and Blue Shield statements, and she's got notebooks set up, you know, for her Chase credit card, and and for you know all of those things that she used to have folders for in her life that she would stick all of these statements for every month in a folder. She's now got Evernote notebooks set up for, and she's going to go with the paperless thing. So she's got her naming convention in mind. And she's doing going the dual system this year because she's you know wants to make sure that this whole paperless thing works out. But she is so excited about getting rid of all of the clutter in her life. And my mom is not a tech savvy person, but I think there are so many people out there who just want to get rid of all of this junk. I mean, it's taking up volumes. It's in the corner of our of our living room are these volumes of binders because they no longer fit on the top shelf of her bookshelf anymore. Yeah, well, you know, Fujitsu's ScanSnap line is a lot like an Apple product in that there's a lot of complexity uh, buried under a lot of simplicity, which, you know, is a result of a lot of work. Right. I mean, when you when you connect to Fujitsu ScanSnap, you install the software and you put the scanner there. And you open up the scanner and you put a piece of paper and there's one button on the whole thing. A nice, beautiful, blue glowing button. So she, you, pre- you, she appreciated that. Yeah, you push the button and it just goes in and it shows up on your screen. And if you're a nerd, you can go in there and make it do all kinds of you know stuff where you can make it dance, you can make it do a color, you can force black and white, you can do OCR, uh, you can tell it where to save it and how to name it. There's all this stuff you can do. But for people who don't want to mess with that stuff, you take it out of the box, you install the software, you plug it in, you push the blue button and you're scanning. And... That's why, you know, I, I, I hesitate to say this on a Mac podcast because I know these are fighting words to a lot of us Mac users. But remember the old saying, you know, you, nobody ever got fired for buying IBM. Yeah. I don't think anybody's ever going to get fired for buying a Fujitsu ScanSnap because they just work. Right. It's a great, it's a great product. I was so glad they came on as sponsors because I, I could talk about them every show. I, I use that product so often. I mean, I'm looking at mine right now. It's. I, the, the first one I bought was years ago, and it's still running like a trooper. You took it into the office, didn't you? Yeah, it's sitting there, and now, now it's it's like propagated. <laughs> Everybody, you know, because we had these really expensive scanners in the office that we had purchased, and and rather than give it to the staff to do, I would just stick it in my scans app and push a button and do it myself. And they saw me doing it. And everybody's like, well, I want one like that. And, you know, as the others have failed or come close to failing or maybe not even failing yet, we just seem to keep finding reasons to buy more of them for people in the office. Right. It's great. So if you have any interest in getting rid of all of this paper clutter in your life or you're interested in learning more, there's a whole line of scams. See, now she's got me doing it. There's a whole line of ScanSnap products for you to choose from. 
you know, all the way from the teeny tiny little single document feeder scanner, if you need one that's mobile and all the go, to the Mac Daddy S1500M that's the desktop giant that David and I use. And it's really not that giant. It's, it's, it's desktop size, but it is a workhorse. I should say the desktop workhorse that David and I use. And you can find more about the ScanSnap line of products by going to ez.com slash SSMPU, and that stands for ScanSnap MPU. And uh, we appreciate Fujitsu's support of our show. Yeah, please let them know you heard about them from us. Yeah. That always helps us. Okay, so what do we got next? Um, oh, I've got one. Uh, there's a uh, Tapbots is a company that makes apps for the iPhone and the iPad. And they're one of the companies that has the most personality of any developer that I know. Like you immediately know when you're using a Tapbots app, just the, the noises they make and the, the user interface that they've kind of evolved. And their most popular one is Tweetbot by far, I'm sure. And that's the one we're not going to talk about on the show. <laughs> I'm going to talk about I left it for you. Yeah. Well, you know, it's okay. Uh, everybody, I, I tried to pick apps that aren't the obvious ones so people can find something, but, but Tweetbot's awesome. If you're into Twitter, you should check it out. But the one I wanted to talk about was CalcBot. And so they've got a $2 calculator and it's universal works on the iPad and the iPhone. And it's not a fancy calculator. It's not like Solver. You know, we talked about that with Marco, which is really awesome. But sometimes you want just that pocket calculator, like on the iPhone. And the iPhone ships with a calculator, but I, I don't think that they spent a lot of time on it at Apple. It doesn't. It doesn't have personality. You know? Right. Whereas Calcbot does, and it makes the sound of an adding machine, and it lets you edit the entries, and it, it does everything you'd want from a simple calculator. And it looks gorgeous at the same time. And it even has enjoyable... How can you make adding numbers fun? Uh, spend $2 on CalcBot and find out. Oh, yeah. And the iPad doesn't come with a calculator. So what happened to me with this app is I bought a calculator for the iPad because I knew the TapBot's brand. I had other apps. I liked it. So I was like, you know, this, this is going to be the one that I'm going to buy. And then I enjoyed it so much because it was a universal app. It became my default calculator on the iPad too, or on the iPhone too. It's on my home screen on my phone. It is online too. Yeah. Although on the iPad, it's been replaced by Solver. I mean that I've I've really uh, gone in a whole hog on that one. Hmm. Yeah. That was a good pick. Marco gave us that one, didn't he? Yeah. All right, well, I have another one by the same company, and this I yeah, think I, I think this was um, I think this was my first app by this company, and that is Pastebot. And this yeah, is this is an awesome app. This is for iPhone only, and I really wish that they would do an iPad version, but they haven't. So okay, but Pastebot allows you to have multiple clipboards on your iPhone, and you can organize them by category so you can have folders with your multiple clipboards but I use this so much and I even use it on the iPad especially I use it on the iPad which is why I really really wish they would come out with an iOS version uh, an, a hybrid version but you can you can organize your clippings you can do images you can do text you can even do you can convert images to black and white and do some simple edits on the images so it has you know image editing and filtering tools it's got like 14 15 filters or or something like that you can then send your clippings by email or save them but but what i really do with it more than anything is i've got a couple of standard things that i use back and forth if i'm copying and pasting things 
And I use this quite a bit if I'm drafting something and I need to have multiple things in my pasteboard or if I'm drafting emails, I've got a bunch of standard email signatures because as of iOS 5, iOS 6 isn't quite out yet, you know, you don't have the ability to have multiple email signatures with multiple accounts. You can just tap things in and you've got easy access to them. They'll stay in your clipboard. You can save them in your clipboard. And there's even a feature where you can install a preference pane where you can copy items from your clipboard on your Mac to your iPhone. That's crazy. So you're on your Mac and you press a button and something just shows up. Right. And this app on your iPhone. I mean, that that's so powerful. I, I'm with you. I just wish, wish, wish they would come out with an iOS app because that's the only iPhone app that I run on my iPad. It is. I think me too. I, I don't know why. I guess, you know, they, they spend a lot of time making their apps look right. And I'm sure that they don't want to just barf something out. But... Boy, I sure wish they would do that. They could charge me more. I, I'd pay for it. Again. I'd pay for it again. Yeah. So what do you what do you use Pastebot for? Uh, even it's like artwork related to the show. I can put it in there. I can copy it into something if I need to. Um, it's it's like an expanded. There's really three places I keep like text snippets. I mean, first is obviously Text Expander. And another one is I keep kind of banks of text in NVAlt, which in this case goes to Write Room on my iPad, my iPhone. And then this is kind of that middle ground. It's kind of like a temporary holding place for big chunks of text. Something that I don't want to turn into a text expander snippet and something that's not going to be banked for a lot of future use. Um, does that make sense? I guess. Yeah, it's kind of the I, same I, way I use it. I don't use it as much now that I've got iCloud syncing for like ByWord. Because that kind of took the place of some of that, but it's nice having that stuff there. And I think if they if they had, and this is I'm just weird. Because if they did, if they had a native iPad app, I think I would find more uses for it. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Anyway, it, it is a great app. I'm sure. And like you, that's the first app that made me. You know, really, I think it might have been their first app. Period. Um, but you know, I like what those guys do. It's two. I believe it's just a two-man shop. There's a guy who who codes and a guy who designs. I don't know. It could be. Yeah. We might have to get them in here one day. Well, we people have been asking us for designer workflows. Yeah. Well, I've got a couple interesting people lined up, so stay tuned for that one. Okay. All right. Next pick. Uh, it's my turn, right? Yep. Okay. Here's here's a recent find. Um, okay. So I like to listen to music, and for a while, I've been looking at these various web services where, you know, you pick a channel by an artist or something and they, they stream music to you. And I found one that I really like. It's called Songza, S-O-N-G-Z-A. It's a free service. I haven't explored it enough to see if there is a paid service. I've been using this a couple months now. Let me see here. Well, anyway, I, I don't want to waste everybody's time. But I like the idea where they don't look at a, a channel by artist, but instead... You're where you're at. For instance, if it's Friday afternoon, it'll say, hey, it's Friday afternoon. You know, do you want something like uh, unwinding after work or, you know, pre-gaming with friends or drinking at a bar? You know, they, they've got, you know, idea. They've got channels built around where you're at in your day. And it, it's aware of where you're at. In the morning, it's got a waking up playlist. 
And then you click that, mm. and it's got various options like classical or jazz or pop or indie or whatever your thing is. So it's a really great way to to match music to your current mood or what you're doing. And I really like it. And I haven't been getting a lot of repeats. You know, with some of the other services I was trying, I was getting a lot of repeat songs where you'd hear the same song more than once. And, you know, the whole point of this is to, hear, to discover something new. So I, I would recommend checking out Songza, S-O-N-G-Z-A. And do they have a way, I'm sure they do, to tag songs so that if you find something you really like and you actually want to go out and buy it, you can do yeah. that? Yeah, that's probably their monetization. I'm sure, yeah. But it's it's really nice. I, so it's, it's it's the first uh, music app I've really latched onto. I mean, generally, I like my own songs. I mean, I've got... I've got like every Miles Davis song ever recorded and Monk. I, I've got, you know, but I have strange music tastes and I want to expand more. And this is a good way to do that. Excellent. All right. Well, my next app is one that we've we've talked about quite a bit already on the podcast, but I included it mainly because as the time we record this, it is on sale really cheap. I hope it still is by the time the show posts. And that is Notability. And it's currently on sale for 99 cents. And Notability is available on the iPad, available on the iPhone. And we actually had, I think it was James, right, who came on on our 100th show and talked about how he replaced his hardbound journal with Notability. Yeah. I mean, that is just amazing to me. So Notability is a note-taking app that is optimized for the iPad. And you can... You can it take notes with, with your handwriting. You can take notes by typing. It will record the audio while you do it. You can make annotations. You can organize your notes. And what he actually does is it will then save them as a PDF file at the end of the day. And he we figured out the Hazel script where he can you know go say, grab that file out of his Dropbox and import them into Evernote. But what I really like about Notability and that I've, I've seen in a couple of apps, but I think Notability does it best, is they've got this handwriting recognition feature because my handwriting is bad enough as it is, and when you combine that with a stylus on the iPad, it gets a good measure worse. That you can write on the iPad, but in like a zoomed mode, so that although you can write in big kludgy letters on the iPad, it will zoom it or shrink it down, I should say, to a more manageable format, so you can still write at a comfortable speed, but still get a whole page worth of handwritten notes and a notability page which is great for me. Um, They can do things like PDF annotation, and it's still got a word processor, so if you'd rather type than write in a meeting, you can do that. I know you said when you take notes with Notability, you type instead of handwrite. Yeah, I do. I mean, I don't really use it in the traditional means where I sit there and take notes in it as much as I like to have an indexed recording, and then then I can go back and listen to it later if I have a question. Right. Uh, so it, I mean, there's just so many uses and you can, you can pull in images and then you can annotate them. So if it's going to make more sense for, you know, if you, I've, I've got a partner at my office who is a drawer. If, if you're explaining a complex fact pattern to him, I'm, I'm much more of an outliner in even things that I would never consider drawing, you know, he's going to draw stick figures and he's, you know, going to draw these complex relationships between people. And I mean, this is, would just be a great app for him. Yeah. And this app has really evolved. I mean, it's one of these apps where you can just see it, how much better it gets over the years. These guys are always trying to improve what they're doing. And at a, at a dollar, it's ridiculous. Just go buy it. Right. right. So, yeah, hopefully it's still on sale by the time the show posts. So go get it for sure. Yeah. 
I'll, I should do a post on that. Maybe I will do a post at Max Sparky. You do one at Katie Floyd too, and then at least people know. We've we've done that this you know recently. We posted on the same thing before. That's okay. Yeah, we did. In <laughs> fact, that's just, just go there really quick. So we talked on the show about the VIP mailbox. Yeah, and how you how you were lamenting that you didn't want to see all the VIP mails, just the new ones. And I said, I know there's a way to do it, but I can't figure it out. And like an hour after the show post, we got a um a, a listener wrote in with the answer, and. I was sitting here working. I'm like, I'm just going to stop for a minute and post that. And then the next day I got started going through my um, reader. And sure enough, Katie Floyd had written about it already. <laughs> well, you know, it, it really it was good a good t- idea. Really good tips are worth posting twice. Yeah. In fact, and that's why you should be subscribing to Max Sparky and KatieFloyd.me because there's good stuff there. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I agree, though. Uh, notability is uh, at a dollar. I mean, what are you thinking? Just go get it. Um, okay, so I've got one. It's it's five dollars. This is kind of a unique use. I I like to uh, play the piano, hack away at it once in a while. Not any good, but it's fun. But I don't like to keep track of my sheet music. So I said I'm going to find me a sheet music app. And so a couple of years ago, I bought this when the iPad was relatively new, called Fourscore. And like Notability, they've continued to improve upon this. And it's an it's really a PDF reader is what it is, but it's it's made custom for uh, musicians. And you can put song lists in there. You can organize your music by composer. You can make set lists, keywords, genre. Um, you can have it turn the page automatically with a set amount of time. You can combine it with one of those Bluetooth foot pads. I don't know if you know those exist or not, uh, but they do. Where you can no, just I didn't tap a tap a button with your foot and it's Bluetooth connected to your iPad and it turns the page for you. Uh, which I was thinking would be really cool for a keynote presentation if it would work. You know, to sit there and just like have stuff just changing while you're stepping on something. I don't know. I think it'd be really uh, but, cool for a mute switch. Yeah, that's a good idea for too. For a microphone, but e- yeah. Yeah, but either way, the um, uh, this this app is really good and it just continues to get better. It's got a metronome in it if you want. Uh, if you're a musician... I, I recommend checking it out. In fact, I was recently somewhere where there was a very good uh, piano player, you know, one of these guys who can play anything you ask, and, and he was using the same app, and it made me, it, it reaffirmed my belief in Fourscore. So it's lowercase F-O-R than uppercase S-C-O-R-E, uh, Fourscore. It's $5. Excellent. I'm, I'm not a musician, but I certainly appreciate a good app. Yeah. Um, so I think my last pick is a free app, and it's called Cardstar. And I don't know about you, but I am a I'm a minimalist when it comes to a lot of things. I have a very simple basic desk. I have nothing on my desk. I, I try not to keep a lot of clutter in my life. But I'm also a, a bit of a hound for a deal. So yeah. maybe some people might say cheap. I'm not cheap. I'm just frugal. And so I I cannot stand having all of these little rewards cards or whatever. In my uh, on my keychain, you know how like CVS wants to give you a, a thing for your keychain, and Ace Hardware wants to give you a thing for your keychain, and every, everybody wants you to have this little thing for your keychain. And then it makes me angry. It makes oh. me angry because you know they're going to charge you more if you don't bring your rewards card. I know they are. And then I also I have a pretty minimalist wallet. You know I have a pretty small purse and I don't keep a lot of stuff in it. So if I, it's not a card that I use pretty much every week or that I, I'm required by law to have on my person at all time, it doesn't go in my wallet. So the library card, if I only go to the library a couple of times a year, that's not in my wallet. So all of these cards, what 
I, I just don't keep track of them, but I want to get the best deal and I want to be able to have access to the information. So that is where Cardstar comes in. And I know that Apple is doing something somewhat similar with Passbook and and we'll see how that relates. But Cardstar is a free app. It's available in iTunes. And what you can do is you take a picture or you type in a barcode and they've got a bunch of places pre-populated like Best Buy and CVS and all of these these other places that are notorious for having rewards cards and it will save your information and present you with a barcode on the screen. So I've got my CVS reward card, my Best Buy reward zone card and my library card and all of this stuff, you know, typed in and and saved in Cardstar. You just take a picture of it with the camera and it will scan it and it will create recreate the barcode on the screen. And then when you go into the store and they say, oh, do you have your such and such rewards card with you? You just pop it open and say, yep, here you go. And I've only had one or two places that have balked about taking it off of my iPhone screen. Like CVS told me once that they couldn't scan my iPhone because they would get a virus. Oh, that's awesome. Really? (laughs) Yes. They would not scan my iPhone. (laughs) I love that. They would not scan my iPhone because they would get a virus. That basically reaffirms everything I've ever thought about CVS yes. right there in one sentence. I, I then probably switched all of my prescriptions to my local grocery store, <laughs> and I don't think I've been back since. Um, I use this app, too. And, you know, if you turn it on its side, you don't have to use the bar card. It just it shows you the number, so they can just type it in on their well, That's what keyboard. I did. I said, well, how about I read you the number for my rewards card? And they said, okay, I can do that. I just yeah. read it to them. I love that. <laughs> I can't scan it because I'll get a virus. Well, what I find with that app, sometimes they just, they won't scan. I mean, they'll take, they'll try to scan it. And because it's not a flat piece of paper or whatever, the the screen technology, it doesn't scan. Like I know it's, it staples it. It's not, it won't scan. Mm. But they can punch the get, number in. Do you guys have staples out there? Or is that just a West Coast thing? Uh, I've been in a staples, but I don't have one in my town. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, you just turn it on its side and and like you, I mean, I, I really get angry when they make me take those cards because it's like, I, I don't, in my, my wallet is one piece of leather folded in half. There's almost nothing to it. And, uh, I do not want that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I hope Apple's solution is good though. I, I, it looks to me like Apple's looking for a different problem, but I don't know, maybe rewards cards will be part of what they do. If they do, I think it just means that more people will adopt it and they won't complain about getting viruses. So that's not necessarily bad. I don't know. I mean, it's a Mac product, for goodness sake. They don't get viruses, right? Yeah. That should have been what I told them. It's not a PC. I'd say, okay, well, instead, why don't you just put this USB key in your computer and you can read it off there? (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Uh, Okay, so my last one is my beloved text expander. Yep. For iOS, yep. it's just a you know it it is necessary hardware on or necessary software on my iPhone because I use Text Expander snippets so for so much of my life and especially when you're dealing with a um, a virtual keyboard, it's even more important that you have some great snippet support. I won't use a text editor that doesn't have Text Expander support, and and most apps that I use that involve words, I need Text Expander support in. So it's a great app, and uh, they they were very innovative in the way they did that where third-party apps can can use their library even though that's not really what apple wanted for the phone anyway if only we could get apple to adopt it yeah that would be great oh we got you know what we got to do is get tim cook you know hooked on text expander yeah 
And then I don't know, that the would small, solve the so small, many problems. Small guys may not like that. That may be too much tension. <laughs> yeah. Just get them hooked on it. So say, okay, we got to figure out this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So text expander for iOS is is a must-have. Agreed. I think it's four ninety nine. It is four ninety nine. Uh, yep. And they are a sponsor. Uh, they're not paying us to say this. I love their app. Okay. Um, well, I think that's pretty good. Hopefully, we've done some damage to our listeners' wallets by this point. I hope so. But you know, they're only five bucks, so we couldn't have done too much damage. You know, I was thinking it would be a fun show along this vein, and we're not going to do this for a while because you know you can only take so much of this stuff. But I thought it'd be fun to do a show on iPhone, iPad, hardware, software devices, you Mm. know, like I've got that withing scale now where it it sends my weight to my phone. Mm. There's a whole bunch of stuff where it, um, I don't have that. You can share it. Well, you know, you don't have to have that, but there's a lot of things like that out there now, um, that, you know, aren't necessarily weight loss related, but the, uh, like for the barbecue, I mean, there's a lot of stuff we could talk about. Oh, the eye grill? kind of fun. Do you have an eye grill? Um, oh my goodness, yes, you do. do have an eye grill. Oh <laughs> that my, was my goodness. That was my Father's Day present this year, and I love it. So, okay. so don't judge me. All right, all right. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so that might be a fun show. If you guys are interested in us, you know, continuing on this theme at some point, let I'm, us know. I'm going to have to get some more kooky iPhone attachments. I think you can get those like at, what is the name of that gimmicky store that they used to have in the malls in the 80s? I don't know if they still have them anymore. I'll have you know my eye grill was purchased at the Apple store. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm good. Anyway, uh, so that's an idea. Let us know if you're interested in something about that. Uh, one thing before we get to, uh, well, let's do our last sponsor first. I've got a couple other things for the feedback. Yeah, because we have quite a bit of feedback. And our last sponsor for this episode is Drobo. And David and I were talking a lot about, or I was talking a little bit about how I use my Drobo. I've got a Drobo FS. I've had a Drobo for a couple of years now. And I just love it. It's, you know, as these SSDs and my Macs are getting smaller, I don't need to have the ability to carry around all of my data everywhere on my MacBook Air. And it's actually been very limiting, uh, I'm sorry, liberating to be able to offload some of that data to my Drobo. So I've got a Drobo FS, it's network connected, it's plugged into my house, and I have got pretty much all of my archive data and all of my big files on my Drobo. And particularly, I have got my entire iTunes music library available on my Drobo. And the great thing about having that on a device like a Drobo that's connected to a Mac Mini and it's available anywhere and available you know, at the house or connected to the Drobo FS that's plugged into my network is that it's available to me all the time on all of my devices. And because the way that the Drobo works is you take any SATA drive that you've got, you throw it in the Drobo. As long as you've got at least two, it's going to back up your data and it's going to protect you because it's got redundant uh, uh, drives where if you have a single drive failure, the Drobo is going to be able to come back against that. And it's going to say one drive fails, no problem. I can, I've got your data stored. I've got your data protected. If you're a little more paranoid, you can set up the Drobo for double redundancy where you can survive up to two drive failures. So although I've got all the data that's on my Drobo otherwise backed up somewhere else, because, you know, in my mind it doesn't exist if it's not saved in at least two places, I have had hard drives in my Drobo fail. And, you know, when you see that red light blinking the first time, it freaks you out that says, oh, my goodness, you've had a hard drive failure. But I have never lost any data in the two years that I've owned my Drobo. It's been, it's worked like a charm, and it's been really liberating. Yeah, as a dad, my nightmare would be losing pictures right. of my kids, you know, because 
I don't have a lot of them printed out. You know, I've got these images. I've got an aperture library. And if, if for some reason that got smoked, I'd be, I'd be in trouble. So I'm always making copies of that. I've got off-site copies. I'm in the process of, you know, using one of these cloud services to do that as well. But um, my first line of defense is multiple copies of the house. And so I've got the, the aperture library on the iMac, but I've also... I copy it over to Drobo. And with the FS, you can just do it right on the network. Just drag it over and you make a copy. And it feels so good because you know that's not just one copy, it's two copies. Right. And uh, it's really a nice thing. I mean, we've come to a point where as homeowners and consumers, uh, we need that extra storage. You know, we've got just the, the stuff in your computer. I mean, if you're listening to this show and you're still here after an hour and a half, you're probably like us, where you've got a lot of digital media and data, and and you need a, a, an additional way to store that. And having it in your house is really convenient. And I think Drobo's really the product to beat because they've got this ability to get drives from any source and the ability to keep your data in a way that allows you to you know survive a, a drive failure, which is just super. And what's also nice is if you you don't have to have this constant plugging and unplugging of drives and trying to figure out what you've got where. You know, before the Drobo, I probably had five or six different external hard drives that I had all of this stuff on. Since I've got the Drobo, I know where is it? It's on the Drobo. It's all in one place. You don't have to worry yeah. about it. So there's Drobos to fit every kind of lifestyle. They've got the traditional Drobo that will work via USB or Firewire. They've got... um They've got Drobos now that are brand new that will work with Thunderbolt. They've got Drobos that will connect via Ethernet. So you can find all about the Drobo line of products over at Drobo.com and find the Drobo that's going to work for you. Drobo Mini is really tempting, though. You know, I'm thinking about getting one, to tell you the truth. But the Thunderbolt, and it's got that Thunderbolt connection, so I could go straight into the iMac with that and, and get some serious speed. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. We'll see. All right. What else we got going on? Um, well, one thing I wanted to just call attention to, it's an event I participated in last year. It was called the Mac Computer Expo. It's called, and you can get there at maccomputerexpo.com. And it's just a super event. It's a local event in Petaluma, Northern California, with a bunch of Mac people. It's got great speakers because, you know, so many of the Macworld writers are up there. I mean, last year, uh, Chris Breen was there, Jason Snell. Just some really super people. And because of a scheduling problem, I was unable to, to participate this year. But I did want to shout out for that. Because if you're if you're in Northern California or plan to be in Northern California on Saturday, October 6th, that is the place to be. Yeah, I, I contemplated flying cross-country and getting out there to go to MCE. But unfortunately, my work schedule just didn't allow it. But it seems like an awesome place to be to, to meet up with a lot of Mac nerds. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so please go check that out. Now let's do some uh, feedback. Lo- We've got, lots of feedback. We, yeah. Um, you know, we're almost going to need to do a feedback show because what happens is we get to, we're already in the, an hour and a half, you know, we, we feel like we're going too long, but uh, let's go through it anyway. So I heard from Mike about uh, PDFs and he was saying, look, I filled out all this details on this PDF form. Um, you know, what's a way to flatten it in essence, you know? And so it's it's the print to SPDF. So if you hit, if you use the trick, I use the command P twice with the, the save as PDF shortcut, you can go from a PDF app to flatten it. And I, I just, my workflow is when I fill out a form and PDF pin, 
I just hit Command-P twice, and it's basically saving it as a PDF with a different name on the desktop. And then I've got a flattened PDF where they can't go in and mess around with my form values. Yeah. Is that how you do it? Easiest way. Yeah. Um, Zach wrote in, we had a couple of people wrote in, uh, about speeding up Dropbox with Ethernet. And we, we've mentioned this before, but if you're doing your first Dropbox sync, you know, like we mentioned in our Mac from Scratch show, you can use the land sync feature of Dropbox, which is available in the Dropbox preferences. If you have your old computer plugged in with its local copies of your Dropbox data open and running, when you connect your old computer and your new computers to the network, uh, it should sync over the LAN rather than syncing over the Internet, and it, hopefully that will be faster. So something to keep in mind. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, and I forget that sometimes, to be honest with you. Yeah, I do too. I just let it pull it down from the cloud. Yeah. Um, Michael also wrote in and wanted to point out um, some issues with the sneaker net method of backup because we talked about the importance of having uh, off-site backups and backups in different places. And I think David said... I think you you said it was in the Marco episode we were talking about that you were backing up your stuff off-site by taking it to your sister's house. And now you've invested in a service like CrashPlan. Well, um, what Michael said is that he was taking his stuff, I think, to his his office. So what he had done is he has brought the hard drive that is normally at his office home to do the backup and then was going to take it back. He brought it home on a Friday, was going to do the backup over the weekend, take the hard drive back on a Monday. Well, it just so happened that his house happened to be burglarized while the hard drive was home on a weekend for him to do his backup. And not only did he lose his main computer, but he also lost his backup drive, which means he didn't have a backup. So, you know, he pointed out that this is a rare event, but it can happen. So I'm I'm panicky about that stuff. Like the the drive I use for my, in essence, offsite. I don't keep it when I've got it at home. I don't keep it near my other computer stuff. I keep it like in a sock drawer. You know? Oh my goodness. Yeah. You know, and I guess a thief would go look in a sock drawer. In fact, I read an article, a great place to hide stuff is like in your kids' rooms. Because huh. if they're in a hurry, that's going to be the last place they really tumble. But uh, either way, I, I get that. And that's just terrifying to me. Yeah. I mean, that's why I'm, I'm just so nuts about this stuff. Now I'm doing offsite plus online backup plus, you know, Drobo. I'm, I'm going nuts with this stuff. But you know, it's, mm-hmm. I don't. I I don't want to lose my pictures and my video of my kids. Okay, uh, so we got um, uh, John writing in about Solver, and he's got one that works. Uh, it's called BC, and isn't that wasn't it a? Um, gosh, I don't have the notes here. Yeah, it, it's a it's an application called BC that works very similar to Solver, but it it works through the command line, I think. Yeah, it's a command line app. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've got to I've got to look into this. I, I haven't played with it enough. But that, if you're a command line jockey, check it out and report back to us. Yeah. And Scott wrote in. We had somebody in the last episode, or in our Mac from Scratch episode, who wrote in with a question wanting to port uh, their number over to a VoIP service that allows you to. Or I'm sorry, they wanted to keep their current number and pointed port it over to a Voice over IP service. And I mentioned Uma as an alternative for that. Um, but there were some fees and costs involved. You had to buy the UMA box, which was like 200 bucks, and then you know pay something else for the port. So I think it was like by the time you got into it, you were spending 230 to 250 bucks. And what Scott recommended was Line 2, and apparently it's $10 a month, and they can port your current phone number. So I've never used it. At 10 bucks a month, I don't know how much of a savings it's going to be, but something to look at. 
Yeah, we also got some feedback in uh, about uh, the preview of PDF files or just any file in in, in spotlight. spotlight. Yes, I yeah. know. I thought we corrected this in the show, but yet everybody seems to be emailing, so maybe we didn't. Well, this this one I didn't know. Uh, so if you put your mouse over a preview and hold down the option and command key, uh-huh. and you look at the bottom, it shows your file path. Yeah, I thought we said that in the show. Maybe we didn't. No, I said if you hit command, what is it? If you hit command I or something. I, I, I explained how you could do it with the command key, but this actually pre uh, shows the path in the preview, oh, okay. which was news to me. I didn't know you could Yeah, do we that. had a lot of people write in and tell us that. I, I think I may figure that out then after the show, but everybody wrote me and I said, yeah, I knew that. I thought we'd mentioned it in the show, but maybe it was because after I was playing around. But thank you. Thank you to everybody who wrote in. And we also heard from John about the VIP inbox, which we covered earlier in oh, the show. Oh, hallelujah. Yeah, but I don't think we explained in the show. Okay. So you go in, in mail, you go to the view menu, sort by inbox only with the VIP mailbox selected, and there you go. I don't think that's very intuitive. No, I it's think, not very uh, intuitive. But everybody else who wrote in was telling things about, oh, you can create a smart folder and do things like that. But John was the only one who wrote in with, with this solution, and this was the right one. So thank you, John. Yeah, I don't know why Apple doesn't make that easier. I guess if I had to pick a default for you know non-power users, you'd want them to be able to see all the email. Because then if not, they're... So. they're no, I, well, think about somebody who doesn't really understand this stuff, and they look on the VIP and their wife is a VIP, and all of a sudden they only they don't see any email from their wife. They're like, "Oh, my iTunes got hacked. Mm. You know, lost all my email." And uh, so, so I understand why they would make the default to show everything, but they should have made it easier to change that. Maybe a button or a preference or something. I am really oh. looking forward to using VIP and particularly using VIP in iOS six because I promise, David, I promise you've been asking me to do this for years. Once I get VIP enabled and VIP enabled in iOS six. I am going to turn off the notifications for everybody but VIPs. Yeah, that's liberating. And and I have limited my VIP list. It's just the partners at my office because, you know, I don't want to get fired. And um, my immediate family. And you made the cut. Excellent. You, you made my cut too. Kate. Oh, good. Good, good. And, uh, and so I'm only going to get notifications from VIPs. Yeah. All right. Uh, so how do you contact us? Well, you can uh, find links to all of these apps that we talked about. You can find links in our show notes over at MacPowerUsers.com or at uh, 5x5.tv slash MPU. And you know, just a quick note, I know you mentioned this before, David, but we're thinking about moving that Mac Power Users website maybe over to Squarespace, maybe just to do a redesign or do something of it. Um, I think our main site now is probably on the 5x5 site, but we definitely want to keep that Mac Power Users site alive and well and kicking and maybe do some more stuff with it. So if you have any ideas, um, you know, drop us a line and let us know. And you can do that by sending an email to... Feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. Yeah. I kind of dropped that. I, you, you caught me off guard there. I didn't know I had a part in that sentence. <laughs> uh, we also have, you know, a wiki at 5 by 5 for each episode. So if you're not happy with the show notes and there's something that should be added, in addition to sending me a note... Put it in. Yep. Go nuts. Absolutely. Uh, on Twitter, uh, we're at Mac Power Users. Katie is at Katie Floyd. I am at Max Sparky. Yeah. Are you on, on an app.net, Katie? I didn't. I told you I tried three times to That's get on right. app.net, and they didn't take my payment, and I said, forget it. I'm done. Okay. I'm on app.net, although I haven't really figured out what I'm going to do with it yet. Yeah. But I'm there. Max Sparky again. Um, uh, iTunes comments are great. Please keep them coming. We need a lot of affirmation. We don't get it in our daily we lives. We don't. We so, don't get it in so our day please, jobs. Please send it through. 
and thanks to our sponsors for today's show, which was Drobo, One Password, and Fujitsu, and Fujitsu. Yep. So that was uh, very nice of them to sponsor and help bring the show to everyone. And the next show we got lined up, uh, we've got some interesting workflow guests lined up. I'm pretty sure I know who it is. I don't want to announce yet because we've got to do some scheduling stuff. But if it is who I think it's going to be, you're going to like it. Regardless of who it is, you're going to like it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. (laughs) 